0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Garage Gym PT Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode uh, talking a little bit about overhead stability, and today we're going to kind of take one of those segments that we talked about in the the upper back strengthening portion, at least. Uh, We're going to dive deep into this today. Um, Before we get started here, though, uh, just wanted to say thank you to Alex Bookout for letting me drop in down at Homegrown Strength and Conditioning uh had a great time, enjoyed the atmosphere. So if you guys are ever down in the Cincinnati area, uh and you want a good CrossFit workout, you know,
1: go hit them up. Yep, especially if you uh want to get your uh butt kicked. It's probably like the place in the area to go do it. I had a lot of fun, I won't lie. <clears throat> a good time. Um but just to kind
0: of, you know, I guess lead us off here. Uh we talked about a little bit about overhead stability in last week's episode. Um and the very first thing we labeled when we were talking about having a strong overhead uh, was the ability for you to extend and maintain your positioning in the thoracic region. Um, for those of you who don't know what the thoracic region is, think of it as like your upper back.
1: Yep, basically anywhere from like your low back towards the base of your neck. Mm-hmm. Where uh, all of your ribcage and- yep. rib inserts in the surrounding area.
0: Perfect. Uh, but just to kind of preface two different sets of muscles here that are in this area, you have the spinal erectors, um, which are obviously the, you know, the function is in the name. They they erect the spine, um, so they maintain that positioning and also will control, you know, forward flexion. But then you also have the scapular girdle muscles, which will obviously, again, the function is in the name. They will help to control the positions of the scap. Um, I mean, just to kind of dull it down, um, overhead stability, you know, we talked a lot about that last time. Um, so we hope you guys learned a lot from it. But today, what we're specifically going to talk about is how to strengthen the upper back.
1: Yeah. And guys, there's a ton of carryover here, meaning like somebody who has a good overhead position typically has a very strong upper back. So we're just kind of going down that rabbit hole of specifically like, what does that mean? What does it look like? How do you do it, Etc.
0: Mm-hmm. And not just, uh, you know, just single in on overhead stability, but, you know, upper back strength also translates into your deadlift, your squat, like, if you're constantly getting folded by that heavier weight, having a
1: stronger upper back leads to bigger numbers. Um, yeah, this archetype is somebody who loses stability in a bench press, it's somebody who folds forward in a uh, front squat in particular. And Mm -hmm. has trouble completing the deadlift at the top. So we've all seen the memes with like the dogs pooping in the yard saying this is like the high schoolers doing squats and deadlifts in the gym. This is the exact person that we're we're looking at here as far as who, who has the most uh benefit of strengthening this region. I just think of that one video. We're gonna do squats. You're gonna sit back like you're shitting over a hole. And you're going to squat. And you're going to squat.
0: No, but uh, I guess just to, to name a few different exercises, and we can go into like reps and sets later, but um, do you just want to name a few different exercises that maybe you use,
1: Dave? And then I'll name a few as well. Uh, yeah. So I guess like traditional stuff. Um, like I said, these exercises like that we're talking about too, You you can use just basic things such as front squats, deadlifts, Bench press holds, bamboo bars. So, the actual execution of the exercise can strengthen it, but these are more or less just accessory pieces to add. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sure. So, let's kind of go maybe group by group first, and like we'll just kind of hit it that way. So, as Blue uh, uh, aforementioned, the spinal erectors, right? So, basically, they, they, they control extension of the spine. the only way that you're going to hit this is to do thoracic extension so short list is anything that you're going to do um shrugs. they can be banded they can be barbell they can be dumbbell but you really want to get an arch in your thoracic spine forward and then execute it into extension Mm -hmm. Um, obviously when you're considering the extension piece too Deadlifts do a good job of this. Good mornings do a very good job of this. But anything that's going to be kind of in that hip hinge plane uh, moved up slightly. So like you're not necessarily hinging through your hips, but you're actually creating a rounding from your back and then reversing it. And Mm -hmm. you want that to be through your rib cage, almost like where you would run like a foam roll to pop your thoracic spine. This is that motion that you're wanting to to accentuate here. Mm-hmm. I think one of the the big ones you mentioned the there, Dave. Good
0: mornings. Um, I I never used to program good mornings that often in my training um, until I met Alex Schroder, and then I started actually using the safety squat bar and doing a, a bunch of different variations of good mornings, and that has probably been like the gateway to like just much bigger numbers. Um, yeah.
1: It's just nuts. Um, and you mentioned something there that's really key, is bar position. So you have to stick it higher on your back. Mm-hmm. If you do it in a low bar, you're going to hit your low back. Correct. Correct. You have to
0: think about where the weight placement needs to be. Um, I mean, just the physics of it all. If you're, you're trying to create a lever, right? Or are trying to create like a uh, tipping point. Yeah. So you, right. you put that higher, then you're going right. to be able to get more rounding, yeah. make it work harder.
1: You're almost trying to put yourself at a mechanical disadvantage by doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's too easy. You're not feeling it there. You you maybe need to reassess where that's at.
1: Exactly. So like, let's even just run through like the anatomy of the paraspinals, right? So Mm -hmm. you have, I don't know, three-ish sets in my eyes. Um, Obviously, Mm -hmm. this is debatable based upon like who you read or what you are accustomed to. But you have ones that kind of cross from like your sacrum. All the way up into your thoracic spine you know kind of blending yeah. with the lumbar then you're yep. going to have like low lumbar through thoracic and then thoracic kind of through cervical correct so that bar position you need to create a lever that's going to hit the ones from the lumbar to thoracic and above and the lower mm-hmm. that you do that and do a hip hinge the more likely you are to get the lumbar sacrum just from like a leverage standpoint
0: Mm-hmm. And then you also got to have like, I like having someone have eyes on me while I'm doing these, because I know that I was like, I get fatigued, I will try to compensate in my lumbar region. And so then they, they'll yell at me like, hey, no, wrong spot. And then I'll start to like, if I feel like my lower back's blowing up more than what my upper back is, I know I'm not extending in that right spot as I get under fatigue.
1: Yeah. And I, I've even seen some people use a uh, GHD with a safety squat bar. And mm-hmm. then they'll kind of just like basically hinge over the GHD and just round the thoracic spine, then move to extension. So that way it's kind of acting as a check to make sure you're not hip hinging.
0: Mm Got to be spinal movement. You want strong spinal
1: erectors, you need to have spinal movement. Yep. Um. And if you do it right the next day, you're going to feel like you have to crack your back basically every two hours or something. Like first time (laughs) I ever did that, I did like three sets of 30. And I was, like, sitting at my computer the next day, and, like, I had never felt that region engaged. Pretty wicked. Yeah. Literally was asking people to to help crack my back just so I could, like, actually get some movement in there again.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, do you ever utilize Jefferson curls for training the upper back, Dave, or no? Uh,
2: I usually
0: usually don't. Not
1: really. There's better, more effective ways. I just... once again, like it, it is good to have motion, but it is it's sports specific. So like mm-hmm. when when push comes to shove, your spine is supposed to protect your CNS and your mm-hmm. your spinal cord there. So is inducing excessive range of motion what you want to do? I I think even to get outside of the standard deviation, it's probably not beneficial. Yeah. Cause all of the stuff that we're talking about as far as like execution of a lift or you know, moving in space typically doesn't happen in the extreme ranges of motion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really trying to promote that for anybody because of the thought of, I don't know, excessive movement can create some problems. I.e. the stretching your hamstrings before you run type of deal. Yeah. <laughs> not so a good if, thing. Yeah, there's probably a good standard deviation. And I don't, I don't like to get outside of it makes sense
0: um so I kind mean, of leading away from training like the spinal erectors then uh, yeah. incorporating the scapular girdle with uh spinal erector training um just naming a few things right off the i guess right off the bat like uh for example bent over row um yeah. absolutely love that one um you could even would you think
1: hmm. i think like a big piece here is we're trying to talk about like retraction. Yeah, that, if, yeah. Like I was going to say how to preface that projection. Uh, this gaps. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of ways to address this. I mean, you know, you you're kind of talking about, need two or three pieces that also kind of contribute to this, right? So you have like your mm-hmm. maybe upward rotators, uh, horizontal abductors, and then maybe downward rotators that you're trying to hit to create a stable girdle here on top of the ability to execute external rotation but when it's Mm here just scapular retraction you're trying to create like a like a sling inward i guess towards your towards your thoracic spine Mm -hmm. um and i i usually kind of even create like three maybe four categories uh depending on like what i'm trying to achieve usually i don't Try to like hit the upper traps too much mm-hmm. for for patients, but for people that need them uh you yeah. know you aren't symptomatic, then it's a great thing to hit but i'll I'll break it down to like rowing uh of some variation, some mm-hmm. version of horizontal abduction, so this would be like a banded pull apart or possibly mm-hmm. a face pull or even like some uh rear delt flies, and then I'm also yeah. doing something with like external rotation to try to promote mm-hmm. that stable scap so that position is keeping your upper back tight during a bench squeezing the bar whenever you're doing like a uh, uh squat and then creating a good finish point like on a deadlift to make sure you're not rounding forward
0: mm-hmm. and i like incorporating face pulls quite a bit uh and just different variations in rows as well like horizontal to vertical um and just a lot of emphasis on scapular positioning throughout each one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes people will like, not to say that they, they don't, under, like it, it, you don't know what you don't know. So like most people will try to compensate if they don't know how to retract the scaps. And they'll just overextend either in the lumbar or
1: the thoracic area. Uh, that is just a dead shrug. Yeah, bingo. Dead shrug as well. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably my biggest pet peeve There is I wondering if somebody just... Come straight into a shrub.
0: But kinda kind of taking some of the exercises that we've kind of listed here. Um, you know, I'll man, it kind of depends on the person, but more often than not, I'm usually hitting probably three to five sets of like either five to eight or maybe even like as high as like fifteen to twenty reps. Just depends on the person in the region. Uh, sure if I need them to get really strong upper back, I'm probably gonna be doing three to five sets of five uh, good mornings just so they can kind of learn how to build that volume up in the upper back. Um, but I primarily like to use a safety squat bar instead of like, because just most people don't have great shoulder mobility to start off with. So going from a regular barbell across the back, I would much rather use a safety squat bar if they got it.
1: Yeah, I think your rep ranges are dependent on the modality you're using. So if mm-hmm. it's like barbell and plate weight. Um, yeah, I don't typically go too much higher than maybe sets of 10. Mm-hmm. If it's bands or band tension, uh, yeah, you know, and 15, 20, maybe even 30. Mm-hmm. And the whole goal here is like, one, you have your strength component so that you're creating a large stimulus for your nervous system. Then the higher rep stuff is to create mind muscle connection, then also develop hypertrophy to get it mm-hmm. bigger, bigger. Yeah. So, what is your like goal? Good examples of like what this would look like for somebody like in public. Mm-hmm. So, these are like really key contributors to like posture, too. So, whenever yeah. you see like the person who's walking with a very upright chest, their shoulders are back, you know, they tend to present with a wider back and stuff like that. Like, this is kind of like that region that allows you to, quote unquote, open up your posture. Mm hmm. And yeah. Like this, this leads to awesome, awesome, like, uh, mechanical advantages with pressing and squatting and deadlifting and overhead motions, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's funny, I've had a few patients who, well, like, have you ever had like that, that, like, knot in the upper back that, like, won't go away when you're moving your shoulder blades? I've exactly. had like a few, I've had a few patients like that, where we just start doing, you know, banded upper back extensions. Next thing you know,
1: that spot just gradually disappears. And what call it yeah. what it is, it means you're weak. It mean you have yeah. yeah,
0: you just needed <laughs> upper back strength, you know, strength, strength is a solution for a lot of different problems.
1: Um, yeah, and, and what that is at the base is like your cns is trying to correct this so if you feel tight in a region your cns is trying to clamp down to gain more stability because you don't have it that's the easiest way to look at like quote-unquote tightness period stability by facilitation yep and like you can extrapolate that forward you know post-op shoulder comes out very tight because it had trauma and it just reorganized Mm -hmm. your cns so it's trying to gain as much stability as possible and as you get stronger It just goes away.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Trying to think of a few other different variations I might use in the gym. Um, Sometimes I like putting people on the GHD and instead of having them all the way out at like your lower back uh, or like right in front of like your belly, I'll actually slide them back a little bit so that it's almost hitting them right in the very bottom of their rib cage and then make them kind of fold over and then come right back up and out. Just to get the thoracic extension. Uh if you want to get a good idea of what your, you know, endurance is like in your upper back, try to get at least 20 reps and see what happens. Uh, I I've had a few patients who think they've got a strong upper back and they can barely get through like maybe like seven
1: to ten because they're just on fire. Yeah. And guys like the the keeling on this is really what matters the most too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's very abstract for somebody who's relatively new to it. Because it is a very specific region. And I don't know, a lot of conventional wisdom says to like go away from things that blow up your back for some reason, rather than treating it like another muscle group. Uh, so, yeah. of learning that it's actually okay to go through this stuff and like feel sore is not injury. is kind of a foreign concept for people. And it's that very might odd. Yeah, it might might be like more specific to the low back, but usually anything with the spinal erectors, people get a little bit fishy about it for some reason. Mm -hmm. But when push comes to shove, yeah, you just want to build it up so that way you don't have a an energy leak in what you're doing. Yeah,
0: I mean being able to take someone who's had back pain for multiple years and all you do is start incorporating spinal erector strengthening and you just see the change in in how they move is is insane because they stop defaulting into positions that are just one inefficient but two um yeah. it just it takes away their pain to a degree maybe not immediately but like it's that gradual progression that I think people need to understand about these muscles because they are stabilizers and so you know they're supposed to be fatigue resistant now I say they're supposed to. Now, not everyone's are, Um, especially those people who have started to develop pain. They've either overused and defaulted to one particular position, like overarching into lumbar extension as opposed to maintaining thoracic extension. Um, That probably is the one movement that eludes majority of weightlifters is sustaining and maintaining thoracic extension. How many times do you see coaches cue chest up and where do they get the the movement from? The lumbar region. Yeah, TL junction or lower. Exactly. And so, like, I think sometimes as a coach, people need to do their due diligence. And you can sit there and cue, you know, until you've turned blue in the face. But if you're not actually teaching them where to move, that in itself is going to be way more beneficial. Yep. Um, I mean, we could do all of these accessory movements, but if they don't know how to even, I guess, become mindful of that, that section of their
1: body, um, you're, you're just beating a dead horse. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, I just had like a little thought too. Like, if you're the person that constantly uses mixed grip in your deadlift rather than doing like a double overhand, Mm -hmm. this is also kind of something that's abstract that'll just like increase your upper back and lat tension just by going through that change of doing a ton of like double overhand grip um, pulls as well.
0: Yeah. Latin different different feeling in lat engagement and how your shoulder blades have to kind of coordinate and yeah, they, move they to they that new grip.
1: Have to retract. So I I there's probably even an argument to be made for doing a lot of stuff with like a double overhand, almost clean grip before mm-hmm. you get to like your eighty and ninety percent of uh, pulls. Yeah.
0: That's what I like doing with like my rack pulls. Um If I ever have rack pulls programmed, I usually will try to get as heavy as I possibly can with a double overhand before I have to go mixed grip. Um, Or I'll get out straps if I want to maintain my double overhand. Uh, So it just kind of depends. But there's so many different ways to program upper back training. I mean, you don't even have to designate an entire day to this. You could actually incorporate this with your lower or upper body days, depending on how you have it broken down. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm, I'm usually thinking, like, lower body days are more of your spinal erectors, and then your upper body days are a lot more of your scap stabilizers, as far as, like, where your accessory work should come from. I can see that. This just kind of fits naturally, because you can't, like, get a lot of this stuff without, like, hitting hamstrings and low back and stuff as well. So, True. you know, naturally, it just kind of fits in those categories, it, yeah. unless, like, you're just super weak and you want to get volume. In which case, just, you know, delegate three days a week and figure out how you want to fit it in.
0: I would say if you're going to specifically target the spinal erectors, I would recommend putting them more towards the end of your workout. Um, that way you don't, like, overly fatigue, unless you want that fatigue state. Um, but I would not like to fatigue my spinal erectors before I'm about to do, like, let's say, RDLs or good mornings. Um Cause I mean, I'm going to hit my big movements there and then I'll move into those. if I want to build up a little bit more like, if I'm do, like we did that other day. Um, we okay. did the, the hamstrings, the spinal erectors, and then we did the, the side bends. So, I mean, save that stuff towards the end. Don't burn out your
1: spinal erectors and then go try to lift heavy. Yeah. And like you're alluding to in an ideal setup, you're hitting your strength piece first because you're fresh and you're not going to compromise position. And then you're trying to hit more like hypertrophy, uh, stabilizers, whatever you would want to call it, accessory uh, muscle groups afterwards. We'll say there's obviously caveats to that. Like if you have trouble feeling them and you're trying to cue a position, maybe you go blow somebody up with some like banded sweatshirts ahead of time. So that way they can feel where that's at. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to like use a ton of band tension. True. Like you could just kind of do it as like a warm up and a finisher. I mean, like people even have alluded to doing this is for the low back, but they've done hypers before and after a session, just to try to get that volume back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I Guess like some other pieces to touch on too might just be like. Pull ups because of like how large that thoracolumbar fascia is. Mm hmm. Depending on like your goals. Say but pull like, ups, inverted rows. Yeah. Or anything that's going to have some bias on the lat. Maybe mm-hmm. some benefit here too. But yeah, that's just going to help you keep the bar closer and feel more stacked like when you're pressing. Yeah, the better
0: the, the spinal directors and the lat can work together, the less compensation. Um I guess um an, another point to bring up then Day would be grip strength for upper back stability. Um sure, the two the two correlate very closely. Yeah. I mean you yeah. were even talking about it the other week, or maybe that was maybe that was last I don't know, it might have been earlier this week, but I know you had sent me a video of you doing a, a banded deadlift and um I think I asked about your head position or something like that. Um and then I watched the video again and you had already texted me, but you said the bar had slipped out of your hands and I watched it again and it had. Um
1: uh, But yeah, let's let's dive into that a little bit. Well, uh first off, nobody has, you know, huge grip strength without having a big strong back. So, you know, the the Popeye thing where he has huge forearms and he has like no upper back is not a that's not a thing. <laughs> so yeah you know, your strength works from usually central to uh you know peripheral so if you have mm-hmm. a strong upper back then you're likely going to have much stronger grip strength just as like a generality like do do wrist mm-hmm. curls until you're blue in the face but if you can't do a pull-up doesn't matter
0: let's say that's why i like uh you know uh sometimes the farmer carries come into play. Um,
1: yeah, I've actually those used that for, for your upper back position too.
0: Uh I had the, the pleasure of doing wheelbarrow carries, which were oh my god. That uh, that was that was not fun. I wanted to vomit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in the past we've done like some like accessory days on Tuesdays, like where you'll just do like a four hundred meter farmer carry. And, you know, Ugh. the switched like variations of like how you do that. And it's kind of funny to see how people break that up. That's four hundred meters sounds horrible. Farmer carry. Yeah, and there's I. like some penalty for like setting it down. Like I that not, not one of my favorite workouts.
0: hmm um, <laughs> have you seen the uh the Australian gentleman? Um uh, hold on. Let me pull him up. Because I was going to say another variation for like like basically targeting the upper back, uh, Zerker squats. Um, hold sure, on, I'll or, pull them up. Or carries or, yeah, Zerker carries walks. Um, there's a know. gentleman who just he's just disgustingly strong. Um, oh yeah, Tom Haviland. Have you seen him? That man is absolutely insane. Like
1: a guy never shows his face. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, he just did a 749 pound zerker squat, and like he always posts these rucks videos of him like going out, and he'll he'll carry a log, and he always switches up grip either in front over the shoulder. Um, and he just his some of his grip strength stuff just looks absolutely insane too, um, with yeah, what he carries. A he's a freak. Insane. Yeah, like farmers walk with
1: 410 pounds each hand. <laughs> yeah, and he he has some really cool stuff about like gpp and just general recovery and some other stuff like that too. Yeah, he does. He's got some good stuff. He's but you want to talk about example. upper back. Yeah. Man. This would be that Dude. archetype that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> with like the the straight up, just V taper, almost looks like a square, and he's very upright and just looks like he could manhandle you.
2: He he could probably pick me up with one arm. That he's just nuts. How strong this man is.
1: Yeah, guys, you even get to like the bigger positions in like the NFL. I don't know, pick somebody who has a high level of function and pressing strength. These things are just like inherently there. Like just... Oh, that's like the first time I've seen his face. I know, neither have I. That's, that's My God. That man is
2: huge. All right, enough going crazy over that, but man... Holy
0: cow. But yeah, upper back strength. So if you had to program, let's say like two or three movements every single week, what would you say would be like your top three to like get people into the door? Or like maybe your top three most efficient, most effective?
1: Uh, specifically for that region. Mm-hmm. The, so primary stuff, like I like things that are either going to pull you forward or make you maintain it. Um, so like front squat and like a rack pull or a, uh sorry, good morning are probably like primaries. Mm-hmm. Secondaries off of that are some version of like a banded sweatshirt or good morning with like a specific postural reversal. Mm-hmm. And then I'm probably going to have you do like a pull apart laying down on a bench where you're maintaining scapular retraction the entire time. Then you're going to do like sets of 15 to 20.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's kind of just like a general component. And if you want to add something for like stability or postural support, maybe like a farmer carry. Mm -hmm. I know I like this. Those are all good movements. I like, I like
0: the good mornings, the front squats, especially big movements, Um, RDLs. And then also um, like, if you don't have a barbell, you can also use like a sandbag if you have a sandbag. Um, sometimes those front carries with sandbags or uh, even just doing good mornings while holding a sandbag, Um, those can get fun
2: real quick. Yep.
0: Anything else you want to touch on for upper body training, Dave?
2: Uh, I think we're good. I think we had a pretty
1: broad and diverse uh, assortment of stuff there.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. If I could make one recommendation, I would say, you know, it's one thing to have these tools, but like, get someone to have eyes on you to make sure you're moving in the right spot. Okay, especially your coach, get your coach on you and see if like, you know, are you actually moving in the upper back? Or are you compensating either with your neck or with your lower back? Because those two are going to be much easier to find and move and the other one right in the dead center. Um, that rib cage is prone to stiffness. So I mean, learn to move it yep and be sure you feel it there bingo bingo but we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode uh we will see you guys next time